0: The following podcast contains spoilers and pretty naughty language. We Watch Thing. We Watch Thing. Hello, all you folks out there in PCAST land. Welcome back to We Watch a Thing for another week of fun. You got Billy, and this week, once again, I'm joined by my wonderful wife, Noosk. You wanted her back after Ferris Bueller. Well, here she is, and how you doing, Noosk? PCAST land? Yeah, yeah, What's mate. That? That's, that's what the kids are saying. Nope. Yeah, it's lit, fam. It slaps. <laughs> Stop that. Nobody says podcast anymore. That's for boomers. That's boomer talk. Here we're all about PCasts, yo. It's fly. Oh, my God. <laughs> I quit. You glad to be back here with me? Divorce. That's it. <laughs> and this week, uh, let's get straight into it. We're talking about a remake of a 2018 Danish film that you and I watched when it came out, The mm. Guilty. Mm. We were a big fan of the original.
1: Yeah, I can't believe that was two years ago. I thought yeah. it was last year in lockdown.
0: Time <laughs> flies. So, The Guilty is a 2021 American crime thriller film directed and produced by Antoine Fuqua from a screenplay by Nick Pozzolato. Uh, As we said, it's a remake of the 2018 Danish film of the same name, and it stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Ethan Hawke, Riley Keough, Christina Vidal, Eli Gore, Paul Dano, and Peter Sarsgaard. And what is it about Noosk?
1: It is about – I hate this bit. It is about a cop who's done something bad, and he's having to work in a 911 call centre, and he takes a call, he um, hears that a woman has been abducted, and guess he commits to saving her, because <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> good He's job. a hardened
0: cop. <laughs> oh, good job there. That was, that was very succinct. <laughs> Let's get straight into it then. So, this, I guess, is what you would call a bottle film, you know, lo- like your old mm. bottle episodes of TV shows, where everything takes place in the one location, that location mm. being the 911 call center. Mm. I got to say, and I, I had the same feeling from the Danish film, and we'll get into this later, that they're very, very, very similar films. Yeah. I think this film does a really, really good job of keeping the tension. And mm-hmm. I think that the editing is very, very strong in the film. I think there's a really good flow and pace to the editing that, even though it's all in one location, it keeps the momentum going. Like, you know, there's quite a lot of long shots, and yet it never feels stale, I think. Never. But I
1: think a lot of that, you've got to give credit to Jake. My yeah. God. He can hold a scene for whole whole minutes, and you realise towards the end of that scene, you're like, whoa, we haven't left his face in ages, but- you never really noticed before that until you're getting towards the end of it anyway you're kind of blown away by how much he how much emotion he can portray sometimes he's not even talking
0: yeah you know he's yeah. just
1: um coming to sort of different conclusions on his own and i mean you know he's known as a good actor but i, I do think i preferred the way he played it the um the Danish guy. And maybe this is a bit of a cultural difference. Americans do tend to play things a bit bigger. There's more drama. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. The Danish guy plays everything very flat. And I really liked it at the time, but I feel like I was able to connect more with Jake's performance because I don't know, you see so many different emotions flit across his face. Mm. And God, he's, he's an angry motherfucker at first. My God. yeah, And it's weird. Like it's such a, tense film at times but i still laughed
0: oh yeah there's quite a bit of humor in there actually yeah so he really does carry this film like i think there is some stellar filmmaking and uh, yes a lot of it is emulated from the danish film but you still have to give credit to the set designers and cinematographers and anton fuqua for directing this Mm. but you're right like Dylan carries this film and he carries it well. You know, like for the first kind of half hour, 40 minutes, there are a few other people around. Mm. Then he goes to a different room, and, and the rest of the film him. is literally just him yeah. in that room by himself. You know, like we yeah. read out the cast list. Most of those people you don't see. Most of them are voices on the film. I telephone. know, it's such
1: a big cast for well, a like a kind of
0: big cast for voices. Mm. And as you said, I think the biggest difference between this remake and the Danish film is in the the form of emotion that goes into it. You know, like, we we even... Because at the end of the film, you and I were both like, well, that seemed really similar. So, we watched the first 10 minutes of the Danish film again as a bit of a refresher in the last kind of half hour. Mm. And it was word for word for the yeah. majority of that time. Yep. But what is different is, as you said, the way it's played. It's It is played much larger. Mm. And for most of the time... I agree. I think that actually really works in the film's favour.
1: Maybe we're just used to American, um, not action, but yeah, thriller flicks where yeah the lighting and the set design and everything all plays really heavily into it. Whereas I've got to give props to the Danish one because um, firstly, it's it's a great story, so and that's you know they did that first, but everything's very flat and the story carried itself in the Danish one. So, like, the fluorescent lighting, you know, and Jake Gyllenhaal's um, 911 call centre as opposed to the 112 call centre. Yeah. It's dark. His face is always lit by the computer screen or the huge TV screens showing the fire, which I'll get to that in a sec. And, like, there's just so much more sort of intimacy in the shots with Jake,
0: yeah, there's um, a, there's a lot of close-ups actually. Like, yeah, and that, that's where I think the editing comes really nicely into play. I do think there are some moments with some continuity errors. Like, there are really? moments I didn't you, notice anything. Yeah, there are moments where you see his body moving a certain way, and then you'll have a close-up of his hand. And it just didn't match the movement that his body was right. was going in. You know, like you'd see his hand on the keypad, for example. Yeah. And it just it didn't match the rest of his body from the previous shot. And oh, so yeah, you would notice those that. kind You're of an things an threw me a little. But I think for the most part, it's um, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about the fire then, because that's yes. my big thing with I don't I don't personally have a problem with remakes, and I think I've said this on the show before. A really interesting thing I heard was Greg Daniels talking about remaking The Office for an American audience.
1: I was going to say, the Danish version is like (laughs) British Office. It's so flat and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah,
0: colourless. Yeah, and there were a lot of people at the time who said, you you can't do this. Like, you know, The British Mm. Office is perfect. Why would you remake this? And he basically came back and said, well- that's exactly why I'm remaking it. Like, why would you Why would you take something that's a piece of shit and remake it? Like, if you're going to remake something, don't you want to start with the best bones possible hmm. and help it reach a bigger audience and yeah. maybe you know, put a different spin on it? Yeah. And I, I really like that philosophy. And one thing I like that Greg Daniels did with The Office is that, you know, he made Scranton, the city of Pennsylvania, as much of a character as the British city of Slough was in the mm. original office, you know, like he- And Scranton he put-
1: owned that. They love it. Yeah. We like visited he, there he, and they're yeah. quite proud of that now. Yeah. he <laughs> put, put them on the map.
0: He put a different spin on it. And I think- the beginning of this film had me expecting a little bit more of that. The first kind of 10 minutes I was like, oh, "Okay, so LA is really going to be a character in this film then." You know, we've got mm. we've got this background of the fires and you know, we've got, you know, the si- the sprawling city of LA with all the highways and freeways <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> When
1: the cityscape came up I was like, what a dump. (laughs) Sorry to anyone who lives in LA. It's just oh Oh, my god. It's It's so I mean, it was covered in smoke for the for the film as well. So you know we here in Australia know all about that. That's um, It doesn't make anything look pretty. Um, very ominous looking, but it's <laughs> so much concrete. Oh, so no. much
0: concrete. Do you remember the night we were there and we were trying to get from Universal Studios back to Anaheim for a hockey game? <laughs> and, we you know, we allocated more time than we thought we would need. And it still took us, what, like three hours for what would usually be like an hour drive? LA sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. So I, hate, I didn't like it.
0: <laughs> I think the first ten to fifteen minutes really led me to believe that we may get more of of that. Like the city of LA being a character in this film and making a difference to the way the story plays out. Mm. And at a certain point that stops. You know, about fifteen minutes mm. in, it's almost irrelevant that there's wildfires.
1: Yes. Um
0: and it, it seemed it, it like it was only in
1: there for the line do you see fire? And she says, yes, are you travelling towards it or away or or Mm. is it on your left or right? Like really clever questions to get her to be able to speak to him without giving away she's talking to a 911 caller. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I was a bit the same. I was like, okay, so we've added fire to increase the tension, but- Then it was kind of pointless.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, it it gave for some beautiful shots, as you say, with those giant screens in the call centre, you know, reflecting on his face. And the other big difference I noticed as well is that this call centre, unlike the original Danish film, which, as you say, was very dingy, it was very colourless, this was clearly up on a higher story and it had big windows, Mm. which – it allowed you to see the change as he went from day shift into night shift and when he's first there and you get the kind of sunset behind him and stuff. Mm, Like, very nice visually, but, it, yeah, it didn't didn't add as much much to the story as I was expecting it. Yeah,
1: I I felt a bit the same with them adding the fact that he has asthma. I was like, oh, okay, so this is a sort of device to show – him when he's getting stressed out and tense, um, his breathing stops. And it, it became a bit of a device when he was calming her down. They're talking about the aquarium, he's getting her to breathe. Yeah. And, you know, he has, he relies on his puffer. It's a crutch for him. But I, again, I know from the Danish one, we don't need that. So, yeah. and I don't think his performance needed that. He performed like amazing without it so yeah yeah i was a bit curious as to why they added it i um i thought the um happy ending you know americans can't just let it go and it's okay i've grown up with it i need that too i need the closure you know the baby's in the icu he's yeah. not dead the fact that he calls the journalist at the end it's a lot more in your face that he's ready to admit He'd like to come clean on the issue, whereas the Danish version did it in a much more subtle way, where he moved rooms and he basically admitted in front of everyone else, like his colleagues, I killed a man, and they're all staring at him.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that that they decided to take that out in this film and have him not make that confession over the phone in front of all of his colleagues. Mm. Um, Yeah, it was an interesting- choice.
1: Yeah. It was a much more private moment. And he does call the journalist, but you don't actually see him talk to her. So, I guess you could say you don't know for sure whether he did the right thing. It's very yeah. much implied that he's going to do the right thing and come clean.
0: Well, um, But we, we you also, don't see it. Well, no, except that there is um, quite a heavy-handed ending to the film. Yeah. Where we Could've get. done without the vomit in the toilet. Where Ugh. we get the the voiceovers of the news reports talking about him confessing oh, his yes. guilt. Oh, yes.
1: You're right. And, actually, and the, the yes. very hev-
0: heavy handedness of the title mm. coming up again at the end but with the fading in so that we just get guilty come up on the screen.
1: Yeah. And then the is in that sort of newspaper um, yeah. white face. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I'm and really I was like, oh, they brought it up at the end. And you, and you were like, oh, they brought that up at the start. Yeah. <laughs> I did not
0: notice that. I, I'm really actually quite torn on how I feel about the ending of this film. Like, yes, I don't think we needed, Yeah, like, I get it. Americans need a slightly happier ending and I'm I need a slightly happier ending. I'm hap- I was
1: tense and I knew how <laughs> the film was going to play out.
0: I'm happy for the most part. They really kept it the same. Like they didn't they didn't make as many alterations as I was expecting them to.
1: No. Which also then begs the question as to why to do it at all. Um, But I guess, you know, this will reach a wider audience than the Danish one did.
0: It's fine for me with the baby ending up in ICU. I I don't need the baby to die. (laughs) No, I'm happy for the baby worry to if not you did. die.
1: This is where Topher would like, interject, and he'd be like, "The baby should die." Yeah,
0: <laughs> babies, babies shouldn't die. all right? Let me let me just be clear on that right now. You don't, you, know, you don't need a baby to die. It's it's like when you see a dog get injured in a film. Oh, You're like, no, or a don't horse. Like it's no. always the worst. Yeah. yeah, it's just not good. <laughs> um, we don't like it. <laughs> but I'm I'm really torn on. Really, the only difference between these two versions is that we get an extra kind of ten minutes here, hmm. where he 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 calls his friend and he tells him to change his story.
1: I mean, that happened in the. It it does, but at not a different not point. As strong.
0: Mm, yeah, um, and then yeah, you, when you you get that kind of breakdown from him in the bathroom, uh, there's definitely a lot more emotion. In this version. Oh, so,
1: like, a hundred times more emotion. Yeah. That guy, he just plays everything completely deadpan. The only time you feel that he is under pressure is when you see the sweat breaking out on his lip, and then, of course- he smashes things. Yeah. But his, he, he doesn't even necessarily raise his voice very much.
0: No, whereas, ever. whereas Gyllenhaal is yelling for a lot of the film. He's yelling for a lot of the film. He's yelling he's at crying, his colleagues. And then he's crying for a bit of the film. Yeah. And yet, even though Gyllenhaal is playing much more of a dick, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yep. He's also somehow a more sympathetic character. You see him having the breakdown. And mm-hmm. I feel like it actually thematically- Makes a little weaker for me because Mm. I mean, the idea in this day and age with what's happened over the last couple of years, the idea that a film would try and make you feel some level of sympathy for a police officer who killed a young man for no reason Mm. is a little bit
1: brave move, yeah.
0: (laughs) And I just don't know that I needed that extra level. And, you know, I'm I'm all here for seeing Jake-
1: Extra level feeling for him, you mean? Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh,
1: okay. And I- I'm all
0: here for seeing more of, of Jake acting, and he's great in this film, but I just didn't need those extra steps to really make you feel such empathy for him.
1: I don't know if it did necessarily play for me that way. Yeah? Yeah. I, I actually found it offered me some peace that those- Asshole cops, it sort of felt like justice that, you know, okay, maybe some of them could see the error of their ways and admit wrong
0: unlikely I guess maybe.
1: very unlikely in I guess a system maybe. that protects them
0: but well um, and i think that's the thing for me is that it's cl- he's only found guilty because he makes the decision to be found guilty yes if if he didn't make that decision he would walk away and go back out on the streets as a cop yes <laughs> and it's I his, think,
1: it's his own guilt that yeah, played the game. and
0: so him, i think that's which why i feel quite the conflicted the by the ending of hmm. this film
1: i certainly didn't feel like extra sorry for him I wasn't like, oh, you poor mate, you know. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah, you did the wrong thing and I'm glad you've come to the same conclusion that we all did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't feel sorry for it.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, let's talk about some of the other quote-unquote acting in the film. Hmm. I don't think a lot of the voice work is that strong. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I, I, I quite like her performance as mm-hmm. the quote-unquote kidnapped woman. Mm-hmm. I, th- I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to pull a toe for here, but the child acting is pretty horrendous. That child did not sound six. <laughs> they- you don't think? No, oh, no. I don't know. No.
1: <laughs> I just, I don't know. It all washed over me, and I was like, "Yep, this is happening."
0: Yeah, I did. I didn't love the child acting.
1: Speaking of voices, I didn't notice a score in the film. Was well, there I was,
0: one? I was, I was just going to bring up the score. I actually thought there was too much score. Bri- oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I understand why you're – because that that was what I was going to bring up. There's no real musicality to it. It's certainly not the kind of thing that you would – Atmospheric. Remember, it's very atmospheric. Yeah, maybe lots that's of, why I didn't notice Lots it. of drone, lots of droning strings. Oh, and I oh, think yeah. for the most part it works, but I do think that for me there was – too much of it. Mm. I think part of what made the Danish version so strong is- The silence. And and you kind of alluded to it, how intimate it felt. You really felt like you were in this room with Mm. this guy. And I think the score actually took me out of that a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's interesting, because I was going to say, was there one? (laughs) And I liked the silence of it with just the voices, so maybe don't have me on the podcast No, you're great. What do I know? (laughs) I love the long takes on um, Jake's face. (laughs) Here in my notes it's changed his name to Kale's face.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask you a question about Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Is he attractive?
1: If Beth was here, she'd be like, oh yes, Billy, yes, yes, Billy.
0: Yeah, but she also (laughs) thinks that Benedict Cumberbatch is attractive and come on, (laughs) that guy is not a good-looking man. Like,
1: She's not here to defend herself, so I'm not going to jump on this bandwagon. (laughs) Look, he's not for me, but I'm not going to jump on this bandwagon. Did I – look, yeah, do I find him attractive? Look, I don't think so for me personally, but I know many, many women who do. Many. Yeah. Yeah. So, Can I ask how
0: old you thought he looked in the film? Because one thing for me was, I was trying to work out what age he was meant to be playing. Because, I mean, we're now, what, 20 years post Donnie Darko? And yeah. he looks strikingly young in this film. I feel like he looks younger in this film than he has in his last couple of films for me. Like, it, to me, he looked early 30s. And-
1: oh, I wouldn't say early 30s. Thir- well, actually, I don't know. I look in the mirror and I don't think I look in the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely don't. Um- we? <laughs> oh, sorry not <won't> be hurtful. <laughs> no, just because you were complaining about your face on Zoom the other day. <laughs> Zoom yeah. is not flattering. Zoom is not. We need heightened. to get a ring light. <laughs> that's what all the kids have these days. I think maybe because he was clean shaven in this, that yeah, made a big that's difference. It. Because there was one point where he turned his head, and I, I felt like I was in college watching Donnie Darko
0: again. Yeah, he and, looked strikingly young. Yeah,
1: no, I, I wouldn't say strikingly young. He looked like an adult who had been a cop for a while, and he had, um, like, he was quite pasty in this, and he looked like a man who. You know, hadn't slept much, and mm. yeah, I I don't know. I, I would I would have guessed mid to late thirties, okay. maybe so far as forty. I don't know. He was in that mid range age where you don't have an age necessarily. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. just hope no one calls you fifty, and <laughs> that's yeah. that's a good day.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing that I didn't particularly love, and I definitely don't think was needed, is the few shots that we get outside of the 911 call centre. And I think the transition to them is done in an effective way.
1: What shots were they?
0: There's a couple of shots where you see the van driving and- Oh, what they think is the van. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And
1: I didn't need that. No. No,
0: And I don't- There's a there's a clever transition jarring. to them where it kind of focuses on his ear and the sound coming out of his- um. That's headset. right. Becomes and it's, the it's, indicator? it's almost like he's visualizing what he's hearing. Yes. I don't mind the technique. Mm. I just didn't need it. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't need to see anything outside of that. We for just me, need more Jake. Like, I don't know if maybe Antoine Fuqua thought that he was giving us a break from the call center. Possibly. I actually don't need that because all that does for me is break the tension, yeah. actually. Like, yeah. I just don't need to see it.
1: Yep. I know, because his his performance is what gives the tension and, exactly. you know, the, the lighting and all that. The Danish one had no cutaways at all. Yeah. Um, and it was very flat and you were just left with him the whole time. I, I, I preferred that. Yeah. Now, there's a part of this film that slightly irritates me, despite me finding it a really good thriller to watch, and I love thrillers, but it just kind of makes me sad when you're watching it and you're like, yep, this shit happens to women all the time. You know, like, look what happened in Queensland here in Australia early this year. It like devastating stuff like this happens to women all the time. And then it turns out it was the mum who did it and she's having another psychotic break and he was wrong about everything. And it just, it always leaves me feeling a little defeated in that moment because it's like, ah. people have enough trouble, you know, bringing themselves around to the idea that we should always believe the women and Mm. it's like we have to beat them over the head with this message and then a great film comes out like this and it's like, oh yeah, but look at this situation where he believed the woman and it's wrong, he's wrong. It just, I know it's not the point of the movie and, you know, that's not the message it's sending, but I just, it
0: irritates me. I totally get what you're saying and this is where I think actually, it's, I, I don't know enough about the Danish culture to know what kind of you know social issues there are over there and stuff. true. but I actually like the idea that particularly you know, resetting this film in America, mm. mental health is a gigantic problem in the states, like a huge one that and is here, com- yeah, that is completely ignored. And so I don't mind the idea that this film, chooses to focus away from that I know I know kind of what you mean I think because it's phrased as a twist you feel like it's a little bit of a sucker punch like it takes away from one message to give to another. yes
1: yes and it's just I just find it a little disappointing in this day and age that you know we're still kind of trotting that one out and it's just like yeah for all the progress you think you've made you've actually made none
0: (laughs) yeah all right so how are you scoring this film then overall
1: Oh shit! I don't even know. I didn't think about that. <laughs> what are you? What are you giving it? Um, a seven out of ten.
0: Yeah, I was torn between a six and a seven. I think I'm actually going to land on a six. Yeah. I think as much as I enjoyed the watch, I certainly don't. I think if I was going to revisit this story for mm-hmm. me, I think I would go with the Danish one. I think that okay. the strongest part of this for me is definitely Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. Mm. For starters, I do think that the end weakens the story mm-hmm. just a little bit. I-, I love that kind of Soprano's ending of the original where mm. he's leaving, he picks up the phone to call someone but you don't know if he's calling the journalist, if he's calling his his you know estranged oh, no. wife. Yeah. If he's, you don't know who he's calling and then it just cuts. You don't know who he's calling, you don't know what he's going to say. Mm. I feel like those extra five, six minutes of this film kind of dilute it a little bit for me.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: And I actually... I like the understatedness of the Danish performance. I like mm. I I I love what Jake is doing in this film, but for me, I actually really like that kind of completely flat. You know, like even you compare the scenes where he admits to have killing killed this kid and Jake, yeah. is, Jake is crying and screaming down the phone. Mm. The Danish guy is very flatly saying it. Yep. I killed a man. Yep. I I did it. Because I could, I guess. Mm. You know, there's just something about that kind of coldness for me Mm. that I think actually speaks better to what I think the film is trying to discuss.
1: Yeah. See, for me, the theme of it, obviously, you know, who's guilty? What's the real story here? But obviously, it's about his guilt as well. Yeah. Ultimately. Um, I I felt like Jake took us on a bigger journey with his guilt. Yeah. Okay. Whereas I don't feel like the sort of more flatter um performance of the Danish version necessarily um gave you the satisfaction that he's like, Yeah, I actually I am guilty. This isn't something I should get away with. Yeah. So I think maybe maybe for that reason I'll be a seven instead of a six. Okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's not like my score matters.
0: <laughs> Before we move on, final question. What's your favourite remake?
1: I do like the Pride and Prejudice remake. It is very controversial amongst (laughs) our community.
0: Is it? (laughs) Yes. Because you're not on board the Firth train.
1: Well, look, I'm a bit too young for the Firth train. I get it to a degree, but he's not not my generation, Darcy.
0: Hashtag not my Darcy. (laughs) Hashtag not my Darcy.
1: (laughs) Um, I very much love- the Lizzie of the miniseries. And I believe she is a better Lizzie all round. She's fucking wonderful. However, um, a huge part of Lizzie's um relationship to the world is constantly being compared to Jane, her sister, who is so beautiful and just so wonderful. And Jane, 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 Jane. Jane. And we've all been there. Marsha, Marsha, Marsh. marsh, marsh. <laughs> um and <laughs> no offense to the poor love, but the Jane in the original, I don't, that they're making fuss about her and it's a bit like her <laughs> in Arrested Development. Yeah, you let her in. She's she a egg. It's a egg, <laughs> And it's like, huh? <laughs> and so I feel like, um, yeah, I do feel the casting of Rosamund Pike and Mr. Bingley, Mr. Bingley, um, Yeah, he's great. And Lydia and Kitty, the sister, I just found like the casting um, was so, so wonderful. And I love the scenery. And anyway, I could talk about Pride and Prejudice all day. We don't, that's not
0: what we came into. Reminded that this episode is on the guilty.
1: (laughs) My favourite remake is Pride and Prejudice. And now people will call in and be like, she sucks. Your wife sucks.
0: But I reached out to the listeners, you know, just to to ask a question this week, because I think it's good to give the listeners a bit of a shout out. So, first, all, I just want to shout out our patrons of the show who keep the lights going here. So, thanks to- <laughs> thanks It's to- not
1: your actual job, but my job.
0: <laughs> so, thanks to Nick, Kath, Julio from the Contrarians podcast, who actually is coming back on the show in a couple of weeks. Tina, and Tara, Lisa, uh, Hendo from the Movie Journey podcast, Chris, David Powell, Melanie, uh, Paul from the Countdown, Austin, Billy, Dustin. Thanks to all you guys. And I reached out and said, you know, what is your favorite remake?
1: Pride and Prejudice up there.
0: Nobody said Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> so first of the patrons, uh, Julio, controversial here, which as as is his as is his mo. Old boy because it's toned down just enough to make it a better movie. Julio nobody thinks that mate. (laughs) (laughs) Never. Uh, David Powell said, Philip Kaufman's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original 1956 Don Siegel, is a classic sci-fi and a bold lesson about the dangers of McCarthyism, but Kaufman took the central premise and created not only one of the greatest remakes ever, but one of the greatest science fiction films in history. Perfect cast, Sutherland, Nimoy, Goldblum, Brooke Adams, Veronica Cartwright, which, I mean, seriously, that is a great cast. That is a good cast. Goldblum is fucking heaven
1: Nimoy's great like what <laughs> yeah oh,
0: and uh, and maybe the most incredible final shot of any film ever so never seen it thanks for that <laughs> patrons um, over to Twitter I reached out there as well a great mate Sam from Movie Reviews and 20Qs who actually is hopping on the pod with me next week to talk about The Sixth Sense is it
1: the PCAST or the pod Billy which <laughs> is it
0: Damn it. (laughs) Consistency matters. Uh, Sam said The Departed for a million obvious reasons, but mostly for giving us a compelling Mark Wahlberg performance.
1: (laughs) Uh, And Leo. But then he gets shot.
0: (laughs) The guys from the spoiler cast said, I have to go with a classic. John Carpenter's The Thing should be the blueprint for every modern remake. The Thing. Take a bad movie, the original Thing from Another World, truly terrible, with a good premise and improve every aspect and turn it into something new. I
1: love The
0: Thing. Movies After Work came back with 12. It's a Russian remake of 12 Angry Men that does a fascinating job restructuring the story around life in Russia and giving it a fresh but eerie familiar feeling.
1: Have you seen that I have not. Oh, let's watch it. Yeah watched the that. original because I have not seen it.
0: Well, that's insane. See, this
1: is why I shouldn't be on a movie <laughs>
0: podcast. And uh, finally, Jamie Russell said, I'm sure lots of people will mention The Thing is an obvious choice, so I'd like to mention another 50s monster remake in The Blob from 1988. More people need to see this film, great practical effects, and some genuine surprises. <laughs> you love The Blob. I really love The Blob. <laughs> You've gone on and on and on about The Blob I for love years. Both versions of The Blob is The Thing. I've never and seen either. Honestly, neither of them are that great. <laughs> But it doesn't make it any less amazing. <laughs> it's like you're talking
1: about Tommy Boy all over. <laughs> oh, don't break <bring> that up. <laughs> Has anyone purchased your Tommy Boy shirts yet?
0: <laughs> no. But if you do want to purchase a shirt that says do Tommy it. Boy Masterpiece 7 out of 10, <laughs> you can do that at storewewatch if you'd like to. <laughs>
1: and Topher never returned.
0: <laughs> uh, so anyway, thanks for all that feedback, guys. Um, and again, thanks to our patrons. So, yeah, next week, as mentioned, I'll be hanging out with Sam Hurley from Movie Reviews and Twenty qs and we're going to be talking about the Sixth Sense, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at WeWatchTheThing.com or WeWatchTheThing at Gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at WeWatchTheThing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at Patreon.com forward slash thing, and I'll catch you next week. Go watch a movie.